So scabies is a venereal disease. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. I always thought it was something to do with like a rash. I think that's just a scab. (laughs) Oh my god, shut up. No, okay, fine. I will look this up. No, but that seems like it's probably what happened in my head there. This is the most disgusting start to a podcast, by the way. Oh, just edit this out. We're going to be talking about (gasps) your scobies. Wait, you're not wrong. Thank you. Well, hang on. It remains to be seen. Are you looking at pictures? Ew. (laughs) Ew. Oh, wow. I think I'm like, oh, sexual contact. Hmm. It's a thing. Um, seems not good. So that's disgusting. Fortunately for everyone involved, it's not this scabies. is not a scabies podcast. Or pubic lice in the eyeballs. Don't bring that up. I'm going to have to cut that out. It's too <laughs> disgusting. Um, it's not even a scobies podcast, quite frankly. I mean, it's not not a scobie podcast because today... We're talking about kombucha, but first, let me tell you about the first, my actually my first interaction with kombucha, which was my mom's friend, our neighbor up the street, who was making kombucha at her house. And I was like, weird choice, but it makes sense for her. (laughs) And it, she had so many scobies that she didn't know how to do with. And I just remember my mom coming home being like, wow. I don't know what she's going to do with all, like, the mothers just growing too big. Oh, no. She's, like, going to have to, like, sell it on Craigslist. <laughs> no. I read in, like, part of in my readings that you can actually use them to, like, make clothing. Like, if you buy um, this clothing, you can use it as fabric. I also read in, read a book that had uh, a recipe for candy using, like, the kombucha scoby. Interesting. So she was clearly fine. She just needed to expand her vision. Yeah, I think she just threw them out and then never... I mean, actually, I think she just had to fully stop making kombucha because she was like, I can't handle it. It's making too much. Which is actually (laughs) a normal problem. Yeah. Yeah. The fermentation situation is not always the right amounts. Yeah, careful what you wish for. (laughs) I guess. Uh, Some people can't make bread and get their yeast to rise and others just have too many scobies. It's a double-edged sword. A dearth of scobies. A dearth of scobies. Gross. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> um, yes, which is, I guess, the topic of today's podcast uh, episode of Pantry Staples. The podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. I'm Marika. And I'm Emily. And, and we're talking uh, kombucha, which yes. in twenty nine or no, 2009... Was named the most liberal thing ever. The most liberal thing ever? No, not liberal. What was it? Yeah, it was. Most liberal product in America. That's what it was voted in 2009. I knew what I was talking about. You make me question myself. Mm. I wasn't questioning you. I'm actually just more questioning. Americans don't know what the word liberal means. No, they don't. But that's a separate issue. (laughs) I think actually that might be the issue at hand because I have done zero research. And here's the facts though, is that there is no information about any of this. Spoiler alert, nobody knows nothing. It's a giant conspiracy actually, I think. 
like real. So let me let me break it down for you, some facts in your face right now, and then I'm gonna draw your attention to one or two things. Perfect. So first off, what is kombucha, you might ask? Well, we know that there's the scobies, but what are the scobies doing? What are they in? What why? You can't just have scobies and then call it kombucha, because that would just be a scoby by a different name. And it will not smell Maybe. as sweet. Anyways, it is a fermented green or black tea, basically. And then the mm-hmm. tea contains the scobies. The living components of a scoby can vary widely, but generally includes strains of Saturiomyces cerevisia and other yeasts, as well as a number of bacteria, including, oh god, Gluconaceobacter zinolus. These are all said incorrectly. In the fermentation process, the alcohols that are produced by the yeast being, like, that convert. Oh, gosh. Wait, no. How am I explaining it? So, there's, you have to have tea with sugar. That's the main thing, right? Like, it Mm. can't just be tea. So, the sugars are converted by the yeasts, and then the, like, alcohol there and all of the other stuff is converted by the bacteria into organic acids. Uh, Final kombucha product contains vitamin C, vitamin B6 and B12, thiamine, acetic acid, and lactic acid, as well as you're going to have your trace amounts of sugar and your ethanol, uh, depending on the length of fermentation. Also, it can be consumed plain, like just a fermented tea, or Mm -hmm. it can be mixed with fruit juices, flavored with spices and herbs, basically turned into like the soft drink that we have in grocery stores today. I feel like also we should have said this at the beginning. We've said it in past episodes, but SCOBY is an acronym that stands for Symbiotic Community of Bacteria and Yeast. (laughs) Nice. Nailed it. Uh, So yeah, that's what a SCOBY is. And that's cool. Like, it actually seems like it's doing both forms of fermentation that we've sort of talked about. Yeah. Which is super neat. It's like a dual fermentation situation. Yeah. Nice. So. It's like uber fermentation. Uber fermentation, which is why it was made the most liberal food in America. Or product, <laughs> sorry, I should say. Slash king of all dirty hipster criteria. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So the scoby itself can actually be eaten fresh or dried and is sometimes used as a meat substitute, which is something that I just learned and I needed to share with you because I had no idea. Oh, weird. I mean, I guess that's the candy that I was talking about before. Yeah, so Gross. there you go. <laughs> okay. Now, where does kombucha come from? What are its origins? Its origin story? Its parents were not shot in an alley. And, uh... Batman. Yeah. What did you think I was getting at? no idea. (laughs) That's why I was excited when I figured it was Batman. Good for you. Uh, So, the most popular origin story is that kombucha originated in China during the Qin Dynasty, like, uh, 221 BCE, and was referred to as the Divine Tea at that time. Nice. So that's one take. Uh, it said that from there, kombucha was spread outside of China in around 414 CE when a Korean doctor named Kombu brought the beverage to Japan to cure the emperor Inkyo. We don't know what he was trying to be cured of, so that's irrelevant. Uh, it suggested that the origins of the name as we know it are derived from this doctor's name, the Kombu doctor. Yeah. Uh, Job being tea. Yeah. There's another tea made of kelp that's really popular in China that was called kombucha uh, because kombu means seaweed. And there was also Mm -hmm. a thought that it wasn't necessarily that it was being confused with this kelp tea, but that the scoby that was put in there kind of looked like seaweed sometimes. So they're like, oh, Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, That's really cool, actually. Yeah. So, but this is, again, this is all if it actually originated in China, which I'm, you know, inclined to believe because there's a lot of people that say it on the internet so i want to believe them 
anyways, so then if we're following this theory, it was then believed to have been shared along the Silk Road and into Russia and subsequently Europe as a whole. Sold for a time by pharmacists under the name Mogu, which means mushrooms in Chinese. So, oh, cool. And then there's this idea in like a lot of the literature, especially the much older literature about kombucha, they talk about the scobies as being like mushrooms, which is erroneous as we've discussed literally just now. Uh, but, you know, interesting regardless. So I mean, they do, does kind of look mushroomy and like it's got the folds and I... You can, like, see how people would get, like, that in their head, I guess, but... But it's also not a fungus. Like, it's bacteria and yeast, so it's everything but? Is that how biology works? I have no (laughs) idea. Oh, no. Sure. In my mind, I'm like, funguses are the same thing as bacteria and yeast. Like, I have no idea. They're not. It's fine. Okay. They're their whole other... The whole other category. Kingdom? Phylum? Glass? I don't know. (laughs) Order, family, genus, species. Very nicely done. Um, So this is basically all I have for the early history of it. Mm -hmm. Now, I read one really interesting, like, I read a bunch of things that said, yeah, this is where it comes from. This is where we think the origin story of it is, blah, 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 blah. But then I read one really interesting article where it was this, like, uh, young Chinese woman who was working at, uh, like, a folklore history museum. And basically she was saying, like, how as, like, a Chinese person, she'd never heard of this. She asked her parents and, like, her family, and they're like, yeah, no, kombucha's, like, not a thing for us. Asked a bunch of other Chinese people, and they're like, I don't know what you're on about. So, not to say that that proves it or disproves it, but it's a convoluted, like, confusing history that we're not really 100% clear on. So, I'm yeah. not gonna tread any more deeply into that. Well, I, I mean... <laughs> yeah, like, is it just a thing that like white people made up to and like said claim that it's Chinese to make it sound like mythical like with all of its like weird kind of like health claims it kind of makes sense like it's this is the thing like the exoticizing of it totally Mm -hmm. makes sense for it to do that but then how much it's been co-opted by white people it's like that's just it's such a weird like maybe like in one potential like scenario it was actually invented by like I don't know, white, dirty hippies, but then they gave it this like origin story to make it seem more exotic and then completely whitewashed that out of it and are just like, here's your kombucha on tap, all you hipsters. Like, I don't know. It's so strange. Also, this is one of the first examples that we've seen of China getting credit for food, but them not really taking the credit. You know, it's like the complete opposite of previous where it's like, no, no, we definitely invented miso. We definitely invented all of this stuff. And this, they're like, no, we don't want anything to do with this. No, the Chinese do not fuck with hipsters. Could it also be a thing that it's just evolved so much from its original form in like that I definitely think that that is part Mm -hmm. of it. Because quite frankly, what it was is a fermented tea. And I think if we look at like any history of any country that had access to like tea leaves or any sort of like herbs you're going to see something Mm -hmm. like that. Like I did a bit of reading and like, obviously you have tea in all the different places that we've already talked about the tea leaves coming from. But like one that I read was uh, Prue and it's from Cuba and Mm. it's like an indigenous fermented tea drink. Like this is not, you know, it's not only coming to us from like Asian countries. So there's other options for it, but kombucha is linked with China. So that's where I'm Has been seen. (laughs) Has been seen. Yes spotted kombucha and china hanging out xoxo gossip squirrel um anyways so let's get into the modern history because that's all that's that where we it's have. At. yeah it's mm-hmm. only the only firm footing we really have so world war ii 
it's okay before world war ii kombucha has made its way into like europe it's especially popular in like russia and that sort of stuff partly Mm. potentially because of proximity but also because they have a real tea drinking culture over there like that's what they're into uh and then it goes and it gets you know imported around the rest of the world but world war ii there's no fucking tea or sugar to be found there is as we've talked about numerous times rationing so kombucha any kind of popularity that it had started to gain was like kind of kiboshed because you just don't have the ingredients for it Mm -hmm. or the time or resources to deal with scobies (laughs) exactly like people could not be bothered to deal with their scobies uh 1960s there's a study that comes out that compares kombucha favorably to yogurt for its probiotic benefits Mm. Uh, so that's going to introduce even more people to it that's pretty exciting popularity of kombucha in north america really increases in the 1980s why does this popularity increase aids oh yeah i thought you knew and were just playing along so thank you for that actual genuine gasp of surprise i appreciate no i mean it makes it makes so much sense totally anytime and like this is something i think we've seen in our everybody's seen in their own personal life not aids because hopefully not that's i mean you don't know boy yoy yoy I just close that door back. Down. Yeah, exactly. Shut that one. But like you see somebody who gets sick and you see them desperately reaching for like whatever kind of solution and cure that they can find. And if yes. somebody says that this thing is going to up your T cell count and like give you a stronger immune system, fuck yeah, you're going to be drinking liters and liters and liters of this. So Ooh. I've got a whole thing later that's going to really reveal why that's a bad choice but yes, yeah continue. let's get to that anyways so like i said the 80s aids epidemic everybody starts drinking kombucha that's great 1995 we have a really sharp decline in popularity uh because kombucha was linked to the like serious illnesses slash one actual fatality uh yes. by acidosis so that's rough i actually read a paper where they're like analyzing the like case studies of this and stuff like that and both of them it seems like okay first of all both of these ladies had the like scobies that were purchased from one person as well as like 20 other people in town that had the same like mother scoby so seems weird that they were the only two that got sick if it was problematic and it just really seems like these two assholes didn't know what the fuck they were doing or had yes. something completely unrelated. But I also read it. that same. I I saw like links to that same thing. It seems like I don't know. You probably read this, but there was like one of those women, the one that lived but was like mm-hmm. super seriously ill. She was fermenting her kombucha like twice as long as you're supposed to. Like from instead of seven days, she was up to fourteen. Yeah. Exactly, and she was. Like, apparently she was like, it's so acidic. Like, I could barely drink it. But then just, like, kept drinking it anyway and, like, drank more and more. And it's like, yeah, man, you're literally perforating your intestine. Like, And the other person had, like, renal failure already, I believe. And one of the, like, issues, like, acidosis is basically when you have, like, your, like, internal pH is too acidic. And yeah. your kidneys aren't doing their proper job to flush everything out. Like, if your kidneys already aren't working, like then you have a bigger issue on your hands. So I refuse to blame kombucha completely, but also, like, drink responsibly, I guess. Um, (laughs) Anyways, it's 1995, also the year when JT's Kombucha was founded, a company that's believed to have been one of the leaders in commercial kombucha production. It started out being sold at local health food stores and eventually dominates the market. The founder, Dave, credits kombucha with curing his mother's cancer. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah, so... 
weird time for him to like pick up the kombucha mantle but he it started out really small and I think that's part of the reason that it like was so successful is because that image of being like really you know small local uh production definitely helped him Mm -hmm. anyways and like and the like mid 90s that's like right at the peak of that sort of like neo hippie yeah like co-ops like that's oh. when I was born. That's that is my you childhood. You are literally a product of that. Um, in two thousand and nine, kombucha was named the most liberal product in America, beating out Whole Foods, Birkenstocks, and a number of other things. So, I mean, I know what they're saying. I just I will argue to my grave that the use of liberal is incorrect. Like that yeah, is yeah. No, wrong. I agree with you there, but you get the picture that they're painting. Oh, yes. And in that sense, they are completely on the nose. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> then that gets us to 2010, which is a big year for kombucha. Huge. Uh, it's pulled from all the shelves in Whole Foods because some guy tested all like a bunch of the kombuchas that were being sold and realized that it actually had like regularly contained in alcohol content over 0.5%, which is the legal limit for something like that. So most of the time it was as like between 0.5 and 2.5%, <gasps> which like, again, you're not like going to get wasted off this, but like little kids drinking kombucha, like parents were upset. Everyone was up in arms, mm-hmm. whatever. So and- it was basically because everybody involved didn't realize that you had to stop the secondary fermentation of it. Like, once you bottle it, it's still fermenting. You need to stop it. So that was figured out. New regulations were put in place to control it. That was good. It's Uh, hilarious because, like, that was the problem with, like, kefir, right? Yeah. People just didn't know what they were doing. I guess, but the thing was, like, it's shocking that it didn't all explode if it's still in that secondary fermentation. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it did. I think think okay partly i do think that there were ones on shelves that were like not in the best condition and that's kind of what linked them to it but also i think that they were refrigerating still but it just like the proper Mm. steps weren't being taken so even though it was slowing down fermentation it wasn't enough um 2010 also the height of Lindsay lohan and her drama that was 2010 yeah i guess that makes sense do you know she's missing part of a finger was it putin probably (laughs) <laughs> I feel like Putin. If anyone hasn't watched Lindsay Lohan's Beach Clubhouse or whatever it's called, seriously, the best program on television that you've ever seen. Highly do not recommend. <laughs> it's tragic. Um, on the heels of this, like, alcoholic kombucha, like, revelation is a rumor that Lindsay Lohan's alcohol monitoring bracelet was set off because she was drinking so much kombucha. So all of this goes to create this image of this, like, health food product that is now turned into, like, a secret alcohol source. So that's interesting. It's hilarious. Because it was probably set off because she was drinking alcohol, probably. Exactly. Like, <laughs> what did we think was going on? Um, regardless of all of this, June 2011, sales were up by 28% across the industry. Mm. Like, that's wild. Kabucha did not take a hit. These No such thing as bad PR. Exactly. And, like, the fact that it wasn't available on the Whole Foods shelves had people, like frothing at the fucking bit to get to it once it was put back like it was Mm. boom they needed it it also led to intentionally alcoholic kombuchas being created so the kombucha brews and kombucha cocktails and all that stuff sorry i just like burped and didn't do anything about it but that was we're just gonna ignore it Uh because we've been drinking kombucha cocktails (laughs) it's true um 
so that's kind of all I had up until there. But then we're going to briefly talk about Kvass. Is that how I say it? I guess I didn't. It's, I have no notes. It's K-V-A-S-S. That's fine. I'm just going to briefly Kvass. tell you. It's only because I'm going to get a quote worn piece that I'm talking about this. So oh, what fabulous. is Kvass? It's a fermented beverage made from rye bread and it's traditional to Slavic and Baltic countries. So basically it comes from a proto-Slavic word for the, that's what the name comes from that means okay. fermented drink. It requires malt like the grain to be mixed yeah. with flour and breadcrumbs and then diluted with boiling water until it resembles like a paste, like a dough basically. Kept okay. in a warm place for several hours. Then you add more water to it and it's left to ferment for several days. It actually ends up being clear. I feel like I need to specify that because when I visualize it, I imagine drinking bread. But no, it's yeah. a clear drink. Um, which is crazy. It originated in the time of ancient Rus, which is 19th to 13th centuries, in what is now the area that kind of includes and surrounds Moscow. So it's not obviously the entirety of Russia, but it is like a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first mention of the term Kvass appears in 19, uh, 996 in the Primary Chronicles, which is a historical text that covers from around 850 to 1110 uh, CE in Russia. At the height of popularity in kind of 15th, 16th centuries, every Russian on average is drinking 200 to 250 liters of kvass a year, <gasps> which is crazy. So yeah. regardless of social class or income, like this is something that's accessible to the rich and to the poor. Uh, for lower income families, kvass is actually used as a base for many dishes, which is quite cool. William Took, who was a British... Uh, I don't want to say merchant, probably, but also like a Russian historian, uh, described Russian drinking habits in 1799, stating that the most common domestic drink is kvass, a liquor prepared from pollard meal and bread or from meal and malt by an ancient fermentation, or sorry, an acid fermentation. It is cooling and well tasted. Interesting. And in that, he describes it as being a liquor, but I feel like it's more like a liquid because oftentimes the alcohol percentage is never over like 3% from what I can gather. Um, In modern times, the popularity has been diminished because the market in like those Slavic countries has just been flooded with soft drinks. Like just flooded. Right. But it is also now that when Russia became part of the EU, which that's a fact, right? I could have sworn I wrote that. But anyways, yeah. Russia like getting closely linked to Europe <laughs> means that they're or not just Russia but like Eastern European countries in general like the more yeah popular and like I don't know just the more how everything is constantly shared you know what I mean like there's no place that you can't find something there's yes. more like stores for Eastern European food and ingredients so it is being like you can access this in the UK or like whatever wherever you might need your kvass fix um, so now I have two quotes. In Tolstoy's War and Peace, French soldiers are aware of Kvass on entering Moscow, enjoying it, but referring to it as pig's lemonade, which I thought Rude. was snarly and I loved it. <laughs> and then we have a Polish song. A healthy drink has long been renowned. Bread Kvass, a chunk of bread below the armpit, a goat skin of Kvass, and the peasant is ready for the fields into a hot drought. So I thought that was cute. It's very comforting to know that it's clear because when I was like sort of reading, like skimming things that oh, were talking yeah. about it, I was like, but I mean, I guess like, otherwise it's just kind of like bread. I mean, beer, <laughs> it's like beer if it's brown, but still. I don't. But beer is clear hmm. too. Like the way that people describe it, it's like it's a bread smoothie, mm. which it's not. So let's... I'm like chunks. Ugh. No, it's all like skimmed out. Like they keep all the like solids. And use those as, uh, like, the starter for the next batch. Cool. So don't worry. I would be interested in trying that. 
I would be down to clown if anyone wants to send us some cloths. Or just tell us if I'm pronouncing it right. Yes, and Pig's Lemonade. Also, should we tell you about our cocktails that we've had? I feel like that was just casually, like, glossed over. Oh, yeah, Uh, I can clink. I always finish mine too soon for the ASMR portion of the show. (laughs) My bad. Uh, Mine, I got a strawberry lemonade kombucha because it's delicious, and I was feeling summery. And I just put some gin in there. Delightful. Was not complicated. Extra splash of lemon or anything? No, I literally didn't do shit. I was like, hmm, we'll just have it right here. That's and fun. I served it in a fun coop because I was feeling fancy. You did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done my classic highball. I've got um, an ounce and a half of mezcal, a half ounce of Campari, and then a kombucha to be named later. What flavor of kombucha? I can't even talk. To be named later. You want to oh, and the like flavor? No, because that will give it away. Oh, okay. Well, right then. Uh. So yes, those were delicious cocktails. Everybody should try them. Because also, insert my mother into the conversation. Elsie drinks one of those, like, you know the kombucha that's, like, on every shelf in any every major grocery store? Like, that number one brand. I feel like it's Synergy or something. Anyways. That's GT Dave's. Yes. Good to know. Uh, anyways, it's, like, the ginger one. And she drinks that mm. with gin or vodka. And it's, like, oh, this is the healthiest way to get drunk because... You're getting your tummy in order while you're fucking your head up. I suppose. I so, mean, I love a I love a kombucha cocktail. I think they're super fun. I mean, I barely made one. It doesn't really count if you just have gin in that. It's like a I think that then. did. Yes, it totally does. Um, have you ever had like full, like proper alkalized kombucha? Because I haven't. I haven't actually either. Now that I'm thinking about it. I know that it's definitely like I've been places where it's been on tap, but I've always been like, oh, that sounds like a dirty hipster thing. <laughs> You goof. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm right. probably a dirty, hip, dirty hipster by being at these places anyway, so meh. <laughs> I feel like my like I did some research on health stuff, but we've kind of covered it. I mean, it's really just... Wild claims that are not backed up by science? Yeah, like truly, like the... It's, it's all of the usual fermentation suspects. It's like improved digestion, strengthen the immune system, reduce blood pressure... Help with weight loss. Detoxify the body. Detoxifying the body is the most toxic one of those all. Ironically. It's it's just meaningless. It is. (sighs) These people just love to throw these things out. And again, like, I don't want to be so rude about it, but like, it's harmful to people who are dumb. Because they're going (laughs) to believe it. Like, and I mean, not to say that we all shouldn't hope for things when we're like sick and not feeling good, but, you know, we need to trust Western medicine or just not even Western medicine, just proven medicine. Like, fuck. Yes. And I think it's a classic. We say it every time. It's really the slogan of this season. But it's like, if drinking a kombucha when you're like a little bit hungover helps you feel better because you're just getting more liquids, then great, do it. But if you think it's going to cure your arthritis peptic ulcer disease asthma diabetes or cancer speak to your healthcare professional yeah uh, or don't don't trust the medical community either i don't know man i'm having a lot of feelings trust no one and do nothing um yes but i think this was very interesting because i feel like for most of the fermentation like the health claims that we've looked up 
for this podcast. Most of the, most of what I've seen, it's just like, yeah, it's kind of unproven, but like, whatever. Whereas (laughs) this, there were, like, most of it was people, like, authors, rather, going through and being like, these are all, like, the potential, like, hazards of drinking kombucha. And I was like, oh, shit. What a fascinating turnaround, hey? Yeah, I mean, so, like, first of all, obviously, as with any fermented product, the preparation is super important and can be extremely dangerous if not made safely or, like, sanitarily. Weird. Let's try not to poison ourselves when making something. Good call. Love it. Yeah. But, like, it seems that people can potentially be allergic Hmm. to it. Really? Yeah, and could apparently, like, experience excess, like, Excessive dizziness, nausea, jaundice, like head or neck pain. Huh. That is very peculiar. Yes. I mean, it's like, what's in it that would do that? Like, scobies are in other things that are consumed, and tea and sugar isn't the issue, so it's obviously the combination, but, like, that's very strange. I think it's just the acidity. Hmm. This is a stupid question, but if something's more acidic, does that make it less hydrating? I know that this is a dumb question. I'm sorry. I don't think that's a dumb question. Um, Because, like, I don't okay, know. let's examine, like, a basic example. If you have a glass of water and then a glass of water with lemon in it, you're getting the same amount of water both times. So that doesn't make any sense. But in my mind, sometimes I think of something that's really acidic and I'm like, oh, that's not going to be as much water. I think you're confusing that with saltiness. Probably. Because salty and sour, like the acidity, sorry, not sour, salty and acidic. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, I do know that I, and this is something that I've heard anecdotally and then was backed up by some of the reading that I did, was it's like you're really only supposed to have like a small glass, like a day. Makes sense. I guess, but then it's like, why do they sell them in those bottles? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, when we read that study of, like, the women who were went to the hospital with it, like, they oh. were drinking four ounces a day, which isn't a ton. Well, yeah. And then, I mean, I also read one that the one of the women had increased to 12 ounces a day, which is why they were like, well, there you go. But even then, 12 ounces isn't a lot. Is, I don't know how many ounces is. Is that, like, a normal a, bottle? Eight ounces is a cup. So that is 375, 400, something like that. I can't do math. Uh, or 12 ounces. Yeah. So, like, the size of a bottle that they come in. Yeah. Wait, 375. No. Things don't come... Things come in bigger bottles than that. Or maybe they don't. I don't know. Fuck. Whatever. (laughs) Seems like yikes, but then also, like, as someone who has drank a full bottle of kombucha and survived on many occasions, I think. I also kind of feel like maybe that has to do with, like, the at-home made kombuchas versus, like, the commercialized ones that maybe aren't as intense. That's true. And then I also did read some of those things where it's, like, this one article that was talking about, it was, like, a special report on kombucha using the <laughs> FDA model food code for risk analysis. And it was, like, saying that kombucha should be, like, labeled with a warning that you should only be consuming four ounces a day. But I feel like that then like later on they're kind of like that the caveat was just like that's only so that people with like other illnesses don't yeah like if you have renal failure like then maybe be careful 
but also yeah i feel like if you have renal failure your doctor should tell you that you shouldn't have kombucha like or somebody should tell you not us yeah i mean you should just be on like a brat diet and like chill what's a brat diet oh it's like basic renal (laughs) no it's like bread rice applesauce i forget what the tea is bananas no anyway Hmm. we're don't email me um (laughs) (laughs) i also in like the review that i was reading said that pregnant and or lactating women should avoid it but like that's probably because of the alcohol content so or acidity i don't know you'll just get a really sour baby (laughs) (laughs) they'll come out looking like they were sucking on a lemon just like (laughs) Um, little squidgy faces (laughs) so for the rest of this podcast i've decided that it's been this is what episode 11 of season two the penultimate episode of this season of fermentation um but we're like almost what 30 episodes in just including bonuses and stuff and we've never done a listicle format how rude so i'm just gonna review four kombuchas that i tasted last night thank god finally i'm excited I'm really excited. Okay, tell me tell me what you got. Okay, so first off is Rise Kombucha. Yep, saw it at oh. the grocery store today. Yeah, it's like one of the like most popular ones in Canada. I mm-hmm. neglected to look at where all of these are produced. Hmm, I could quickly Google if you want. I could go to my fridge. But anyway, Rise. Um, also, all of these were purchased at Whole Foods because... I figured they would have the best selection. And spoiler alert, they did. They also shockingly had, like, better prices. Really? Yeah. So, like, all of these, except for one, were $3.99 for, like, a normal bottle. I think I spent five on mine at the grocery store. I often spend five for a GT Dave's, at least four fifty. Hmm. So... Who knew? And I don't even think they were on sale. So, Rise. Have you figured out where it's from? Doesn't no, this matter. is taking me way too fucking long. Just never mind. So, $3.99 for a bottle. The flavor that I tested was watermelon and mint. The color is a pinky orange. I mean, I guess like a watermelon. Mm-hmm. On the nose. Mint City. Mint like, City, bitch. Yes, so minty. I was like, wow, this is nice. Smells like mint. Um, Mint is one of the nicest smells, I feel like. It is, and I find that it's very difficult to recreate in a bottled beverage. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because actually coming up, I have another, one of the other ones I tasted had a mint note in it, but it was like way less pronounced than this. Interesting. So... Confession, I don't know why I even picked this flavor because I uh, actually truly hate watermelon. (laughs) (sighs) Just another nail in our coffin of our friendship. I I think that it was because of the color. Mm. And I was thinking, I think that in my mind, I thought it was the strawberry lemonade one. Mm. I do really like the Rise um, Rose Hibiscus or whatever that is. It's like the classic. It's the most common one and it's very delicious. Um, but this flavor was 
like for me pretty meh is that just like, because it was watermelony or was it just like not well executed regardless well i i think it just wasn't really well executed it actually tasted almost more like cucumbery than watermelony hmm. but maybe that was like the mint kind of throwing me off and giving more savory notes it was i feel like the least sweet of all of the ones i tried it was also possibly the least sour hmm so just like the wateriest it was very watery which hmm. i mean watermelon <laughs> yes okay should have known um i wrote yesterday that it would maybe be good with like tequila with like a squeeze of lime okay um and it is the one that i put in this drink today <laughs> delightful um yeah it was okay i think it probably would be better with lime and a more neutral alcohol i feel like mm-hmm. i kind of overpowered it yeah, I was going to say, I thought about doing mezcal with mine today, but I was like, mm, that smokiness is going to be quite a bit. And I feel like with the kombucha flavor, I just like don't want that much situation. Yeah. Um. So I give this a four out of ten. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. I can't believe you failed it, but okay. I was, I was underwhelmed. Um... Okay, next up is Health Aid. This was the most expensive one at four sixty nine. The flavor I tested was bubbly rosé. Ooh, fun. Yes. So the actual flavor, that's just what they call it. The actual flavor is um, hawthornberry, mangosteen, and rose. Ooh. The color is pale pink, so the rosé name is apt. Mm-hmm. And on the nose, rose. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, It was very nice and elegant, but I would say lacking in some complexity. Hmm. I didn't find it sour enough to counteract the sweetness of the like rose and berry elements. I I don't really know what a hawthorn berry is. Do you? I don't know either. As you said that, I was like, no idea. I don't know. I just assume it's some hipster berry. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I do know that mangosteens are very fancy and hard to get. We had a mangosteen sorbet at the gelato place I worked at. And that was Ooh. like... Everyone was like, ooh, mangosteens. And, like, they look, I don't know, they look weird, hmm. I think. We're so unaware of fruit. Oh, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm always I'm always off fruit. Um, So, yeah, it was good. It was actually better, I think, than I'd expected it would be. I feel like when something has, like, a rosé. Like, it's a big mm. name to live up to. Yeah, so I feel like the rosé part was good. The bubbly part was actually what left me da- let me down because it wasn't... I felt fizzy enough to, yeah, to warrant you do have the to have... bubbly. Hmm. That just kind of seems, and you're saying it's really quite sweet. So that just seems like maybe the fermentation was stopped like quite early in it. Or like, I mean, obviously we're overthinking this in terms of production, <laughs> but like, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think that they were just, I don't know if they were afraid going of going style. too sour. Yeah. Or a different mm. style. Um, I gave it a six out of 10. Very nice. All right. Third up is Brew Doctor. So again, $3.99. The flavor that I tested was Clear Mind. Oh, saw that one today. Didn't get it. Had of a clear mind already. <laughs> um, so Clear Mind, the actual like flavor components are mint, rosemary, and sage. I love sage in all of my everything. I know. It's so nice. Mm-mm-mm. The the color uh, reminded me a lot of champagne. It was nice and bubbly mm-hmm. as well. 
The nose was very subtle and like herbaceous, which I guess makes sense because it's rosemary and sage. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This was the subtlest of the bunch, not super sweet and not super sour, but in a way that was a lot more balanced, I felt, than the health aid one. Maybe because it wasn't like trying to be fruity, so like the sweetness was just like, I don't know. Hmm. The rosemary and sage come at the very finish, I felt like, and it was very refreshing, but not like medicinal. Yeah, that sounds delightful. It's a really good one. I haven't had Brew Doctor in a while. They've they've got a couple flavors that are like seasonal that are really good. Hmm. But it's harder to find. Um, I Which gave is this... probably what makes it so appealing to all those dirty hipsters going to Whole Foods. <laughs> Please exactly. Um, I gave this one an 8 out of 10. Oh. Which seems a bit low. But like I really liked it. But it wasn't actually quite as fizzy upon like later drinks and i don't know if it's a flavor that i could drink like all the time like it's a bit specific fair enough last but not least gt daves the classic the ogt um (laughs) i i got trilogy which i think Mm -hmm. is the one that you're thinking as synergy I have the bottle. Anyway. Oh, I took a picture of it. Hang on. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm thinking of GT Dave's, by the way. Interesting. Oh, I am. Yeah, Synergy. Raw kombucha, strawberry lemonade. Organic and unpasteurized. Perfect. Um. Okay, so Trilogy. And this is so silly because the Trilogy has been my favorite kombucha for like as long as I've been drinking kombucha. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that I actually looked up what the Trilogy is. I was just like, yeah, it's trilogy flavored, whatever. Um, but it means <laughs> the flavor of three things. <laughs> it's the flavor what three of three things. Eddie. <laughs> cool. I don't know. Maybe I just assumed it was like biblical or something. Um, but no, it's raspberry, lemon, and ginger. Ah, very nice. Yeah, delightful. And the raspberries definitely comes through. It's like the color is dark pink like raspberry colored the nose um you know it reminded me a lot of my strawberry mint shrub from last Mm. episode and i was really picking up like the fermenty vinegariness but in like the best way nice and i don't know i just this is i mean it's a 10 out of 10 for me it's got the perfect it's sweet with the raspberry and like the fruitiness but there's still like a real punch of sour like the vinegar really gets you i just feel like it's balanced and um there's a reason they're top of the heap yeah so there you go gt's sponsor us please yes i would like all of the free kombucha (laughs) it's so expensive like a bitch can't be buying that every day no and i don't know i've got like four half like <laughs> opened kombuchas in my fridge right now i'm just like slowly working through them i guess you're enough to have a cocktail party for yourself no i'll just drink myself into acidosis please don't do that <laughs> i can't have you bring down the entire kombucha industry i'll never hear the end of it oh yeah no my sister would be pleased really sophie not a fan no she hates it <laughs> i love sophie and her energy <laughs> My sister wears bucket hats, so there's that. 
know what? Bucket hats are in. So Allie's cool, cool cat. I don't love it. She's <laughs> Allie cat, the coolest of all the cats. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, I don't know how to end this. This is all I got. This is like, oh, would we like to spoil what we're thinking of doing for season three? Ooh, teaser. Teaser, teaser, teaser. If we're still on the same page. (laughs) Food related disasters. Yes. Very timely, actually, with the disasters related to kombucha that we've relayed today. Exactly. So it all tied together. So we're going to be talking about times when food created calamity and not calories. Ooh, or both. Yeah, or both. Exactly. Ugh. So if anyone has any food-related calamities that they'd like to share with us, or just send us a picture of your Pinterest cooking fails, that would be cool. Yes, and you can do that at uh, on Instagram at Pantry Staples Pod. Please get in touch. We would love to hear from you. Yes, um, and also leave us a nice comment on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. None leave of the other a... ones, though. Those We're are the only two we want review for. Those are the only ones we're on. <laughs> I feel like there's other places that we're somehow on. Let us know if we're on other things. That'd be good. <laughs> Anyways, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your foes. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>